Yeah, that's and that's a that's a perspective issue. Like we we tend to live in a very temporal, immediate kind of focus um, context, and and what Jesus is drawing us into is a much broader understanding of reality and life and what life means and what's truly valuable and pleasurable and. If there is a sacrifice in this life that, man, seems really, really daunting, he's saying, if you are do- if I've called you to make that sacrifice, it's totally worth it. Mm. Because in the long run, what, it will, what will result because of that will be life. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it is shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. Back in studio, Parker Smith, Yee Apparel. Mm, thank you for the plug. Yeah, there you go. That's why I'm here. I'm I'm sure. No, that's probably why I'm here. <laughs> uh, so, Parker, how has life been going for you? Um, you're you run a company. You're you're an uncle. You're a brother, a husband. You've got a lot of hats that you wear, not just cool yee yee hats, but. Uh, yeah, how's life right now? What's this season look like for you? Yeah, it's uh, it has been very interesting time. Uh, last time I talked to you, we had talked about um, how to how to navigate when you become a Christian. Um, what then you're supposed to do mm. with your life? And we had talked last time. You're like, you have these certain characteristics. And before you were a Christian, it was how can I uh, use this to edify myself? How can I use it to uh, get more money, get more status, uh, and build myself up? And then now you take a step back and you go, cool, I have all of these characteristics. Now, how can I audit myself? How can I take it captive to obey Christ and figure out? what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to serve God. So now how do I use this to serve God? Mm-hmm. So it's been an interesting season of um, cutting out the stuff that is not of God and then also navigating in an interesting way in the workplace and um, within the company, the type of message that we're portraying and making sure that we are um, giving glory to God. And Yeah. How have you wrestled through the reality that ye ye apparel is a brand and with that brand comes a projected lifestyle. How have you kind of maintained that tension or what is the, the struggle been for you as a believer when this company was founded, you were not neither you nor Granger were Christians. And here you are, what, 10 years later, 11 years later, mm-hmm. are you about in your 11th year? Uh, yeah. And now you 
identify these things, these priorities, and now you want to leverage who you are and what you are and what you have for the sake of the gospel. What does that tension look like in the everyday? You've got employees, you've got people depending on you to provide a job and yeah. Yeah. I remember having a a conversation with our social media director and saying that I want to make sure that well, initially what I said was, I want our new slogan to be Faith Family Outdoors. Hmm. Yeah. That's the shirt I'm wearing. Yeah. I thought you were pointing that you spilled something oh, on no. your shirt right at that moment. <laughs> that could have been true too. And he said, he said, well, if you look at our Instagram, it's not exactly going to say, you're not going to look at that and go, this is a Faith Family Outdoors brand. And I was just like, boom, it should. Yeah. When people see it, they should think that. Or at the very least, they should not think that these guys are walking hypocrites. So it's been a very, um, it's been challenging, but it's also been the easiest thing ever because when you feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit, you just, I just listen to it. And it's, oh, right and it's uh, well, as much as I can. I didn't mean that as a brag, but it, it's in a way when you're following Christ, things get harder and you have to give up a lot of stuff. And then also it becomes so clear in a world where everything is foggy and you don't know whether to go right or left or um, believe a certain thing. We have a, a, a book of truth right here mm-hmm. that we can come back on. And, uh, and so in a, in a way it's been, it's been easier, but on a day-to-day basis, it's uh, how can we glorify God today? It's not necessarily um, setting up a Bible study and opening up our Bibles right. with every employee on a daily basis, but um, yeah, because some might think, well, Jesus should be in your slogan now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not necessarily what would be the best situation or the best use of this platform. Uh, you you said something, and I, I'm, I hesitate to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. You're a big boy. You can handle it. You said there are times where you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and it becomes very easy when you know that that's the Spirit, and you can make a decision, and it's you don't have any qualms about it Hmm. and there's no like waffling about it. Do you have an example of like that where there was an option put before you and you were like, that's no, the conviction of the Holy spirit or clarity on leadership from the spirit says no. And we're not going to do that. So case closed. Yeah. I actually have kind of an extreme example. Uh, And it's not, I don't want to get this caught up with like legalism in any way or thinking that God is going to look at me in a certain way. If I, uh, if I put out a certain uh, slogan of the company that God is going to look at me uh, more righteously, if I hadn't or give me more things. Um, But in this, in this particular instance, I saw that we posted, this is going to be so silly. And I don't, I don't think that, I think that it, this could have gone either way, but for me, it was, I was just like, I want to take that out. I just don't feel comfortable. It was, it's a quote from an old George Strait song and it was a meme or a picture of George Strait with little text above it. And it said, uh, when, when you are uh, ready for the weekend and raise you to, ready to uh, raise a little cane or something, it was, it was something from one of his songs. Yeah. And then it was just something I'd never thought about before. I was like, what does raising Cain mean? And then looking up what, what that spirit of Cain represents. And I think that, I think that uh, people might see that and and think that that's really dumb, 
that I would take that down. But I, and I actually did get flack from some of our guys that were like, they just think I'm crazy because mm-hmm. they just you're taking this way too far. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but I, I just. I mean, like I said, it's just easy for me. It's just like, it helps me sleep at night, man. I don't know what to tell you, but <laughs> yeah. I, I literally have to take that down. Yeah. And so just something that small and um, and just being like, I'm going to give an account for this one day right. for how I manage this platform. And uh, and when, when you just wake up in the morning and um, it's easy to say that, you know, I wish I had a bigger influence or I wish I had easy for you to say, Chad, you know, you have a whole congregation or Parker, you have an entire company, but we were at a pastor's conference recently. And the guy said, a lot of people, they, they wish that they had a huge influence and they wish Mm -hmm. that they had, they're jealous of their buddies who have a 3000 person congregation when theirs is only 23 people. And he said, I have a feeling when you get to heaven and you are to give an account to your Lord Jesus for what you did with your flock and with your time on earth, you're going to realize that you had plenty. Yeah. Cause it's a lot of responsibility and um, yeah. <laughs> that's so true. So sobering. Yeah. Oh man. Well, good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks for letting me put you on the spot there. Yeah. I'm glad you had something to share. It would have been awkward if I would have put you on the spot and you're like, Hey, I don't have a, I don't have anything, but you did. So. Oh yeah. It, I'm telling you, it happens like every other day. People will get so, so annoyed with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Uh, okay, well, you're here, and uh, since the last time you, you were here, we haven't gone too extremely far. You were here, and we were uh, just wading into chapter 8, and now with you here, we're going to finish out chapter 8 today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 34, and we're going to actually spill over into the first verse in chapter 9. Again, when you, you recognize these kind of markers and the way that the passages are broken up and the there's little titles given to them and even the verse numbers and the chapter numbers, those are all put in there afterwards. These are not something that Mark wrote into the text. And so I think it's important to note that, you know, these the way that it's separated is sometimes just a a uh, you know, an after aftermath thing. So we're going to spill into, because I think that that section that starts in 34, it fits with the first verse in chapter nine as well. So we're going to get into that. Uh, What we're getting into here is following uh, the first time that Jesus makes a prediction uh, about his death and resurrection uh, to the disciples. And Peter confronts that idea and doesn't like that idea and um, and even tries to rebuke the Lord, tries to rebuke Jesus. And uh, he, in turn, Jesus turns and rebukes Peter back and says, get behind me, Satan, which is a very shocking phrase. And so uh, if you're curious about what, what the nuances of all that meant, go check out the previous episode of this podcast. But we're now coming off of the heels of that and immediately following this prediction and this uh, kind of misstep by one of the disciples about kind of what that means, he then goes into something that's pretty pretty intense. So here we are, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, and we are in the New English Translation 
uh, again, one of those translations that not, isn't widely used, but it's it's one that I I think is very readable, and I enjoy the translation in that. The translation philosophy behind this was was one that um, wasn't purely open source, but it was a large gathering and or a large not gathering, but um, input from a wide range of theologians and pastors that kind of gave input into how words should be translated and phrases used. And and all of those notes were compiled, and it was originally only available online. Hmm. And it was where you could see what was some of the dialogue and debate about different word usage and phrase usage and why they ended up using what they did. And so now it's available in print form, but you can even get the print Bible uh, that has all of the footnotes as to what dialogues occurred about these different. So it's a great study Bible, but... I also find it to be very readable. Here we are, Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Then Jesus called the crowd along with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and because of the gospel will save it. For what benefits, benefit is it for a person to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his life? What can a person give in exchange for his life? For if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, there are some standing here who will not experience death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. There you go. Hmm. So again, this is on the heels of him telling them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by elders, chief priests, experts of the law, and be killed, and then rise again. And so then he, you know, Peter doesn't like that idea, kind of, gets on to Jesus about it. Jesus in turn gets on to Peter about it and then goes into this conversation with the disciples, calls the crowd along with the disciples and starts talking to them about, if you're going to follow me, so at this point, he's got a pretty large following, large group, a crowd, and he's telling them, if you're going to follow me, what that means is denial. What's that? What that means is Take up your cross and follow me. Now, again, he's telling this at a time when he has not gone to the cross yet. So the cross at this point is not a Christian symbol. What else do you see here that, man, we really need to understand what's happening here? Mm. Um, just that it's very sobering at the uh, towards the back half where he basically gives you an ultimatum of if you're going to be ashamed of me, then X is going to happen. Mm. And uh, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Mm-hmm. And then saying there are some right now under the sound of my voice, the son of man speaking to them who it's, it's not gonna, it's not going to sink through. Yeah. Yeah, he describes this generation, an adulterous and sinful generation. 
I think last time you were here, the the phrase generation was also used about um, not performing a sign. Like this, this generation demands a sign. And they were trying to test him with that. Here he describes this generation, this that age of people as adulterous and sinful. Hmm. So what do you think what do you think spurred him to say this? If anyone wants to become my follower, he must just deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Do you think in this context that I guess people were wondering wondering what it would take to follow him? And there's just a bunch of just empty words that are being said of I'll follow you, Jesus. Yeah, there could have been because there's this his popularity's kind of at a climax, and now he's starting to help kind of give them a greater depth of understanding about to truly follow him. Cause I'm sure there's people there in the crowd that are like, we're here because of what, if, what he's done for us. We're here because we saw someone healed. We saw someone uh, delivered from demonic oppression. We we've, we've seen what he can do and it's very beneficial. And so there's probably some in the crowd that are, they're there because man, it's 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 going to work out for him. So he's now he's now just straight up telling him the cost. Yeah, which we've talked about before is is what people a lot of times try to smooth out and kind of put to the side of being a Christian. They just say, "You want your life to just get better? Look at all of these benefits from following Jesus. You should become a Christian." And 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 it keeps us out in this this part out and Jesus is obviously telling them to their face. I mean, just with, without putting any fluff on it or at all. And I think that it's related to in earlier in this chapter, Mark chapter eight, uh, when he confronts the disciples in verses 27 through 29 or 30, um, he has that conversation with them. Who do people say that I am? And here is this kind of climax. It's the dead center of the gospel. Remember, Mark starts out in chapter one, verse one, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. So here's Mark saying, this is the the good news about Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, who is the son of God. And then the rest of the account of this gospel is his support of that statement. And then here at the middle of the gospel, right in Mark chapter eight, verses 27 through 30, he says, who do you say that I am? So all of this time, there's been this building understanding as to, is Jesus, in fact, the Messiah? Well, Peter's confession is, he's like, who do people say that I am? And he's like, well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others say a prophet. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. So he confesses at that point, you're him. You're the one that's been prophesied. You're the one that God promised us from of old. Well, now we go, we start to wrestle with what is, so in their mind's eye, they have a certain picture of what the Messiah would do, who he would be, what he would accomplish. And for many of them at that time, their, their concept of a Messiah was a military conqueror like David, the son of David. Like he's even proclaimed as being the son of David at some point. So the fulfillment of that prophecy that here is, David would have this son that would sit on the throne forever. This is that Messiah. 
And so that's why I think when Jesus starts talking about the Son of Man must suffer many things, this is right after Peter's like, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. And then he's like, and in a, in a little while, I'm going to be rejected by the, the religious authorities, the, the elders, the experts, all of the, the Jewish religious elites, the ones that know the most about this Messiah, they, they're going to reject me and they're going to put me to death. And then I'm going to raise from the dead. And that's why, and I think Peter's rejection is like, oh, wait, what? Because in their minds, the Messiah comes and guess what? We're delivered. Rome's overthrown. We get to be returned to power and glory. The, remember the days of Solomon, like those were the good old days. When the Messiah comes, we're going to be restored to political supremacy. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, just so you know, <laughs> following me, the Messiah, means you're going you're gonna to suffer. You're going to have to deny yourself. It's not one of exaltation. It's one of self-denial. Mm. And so this is, man, a, like to your point, an extremely unpopular message at this point. So in terms of what it means, we have three points. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So denying, you'd think that it wouldn't be a complete deny. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm just following you. Yeah. I'm just like, I agree with what you say. And so I'm going to follow you and I'm going to get this whole eternal life thing. And it's going to be great. But this is something about this is that, no, this is anti what is in your heart. Yeah. You have to desire your, you have to deny your internal desires, wants, wishes, passions, the idea of putting yourself first, um, fulfilling your, yourself. Then he uses this phrase, um, Take up your cross. Again, in the moment, this is, he has not gone to the cross at this point. Mm-hmm. He has not, he has not been arrested. So why, I wonder if in that moment, people are like, wait, wait what? Roman execution element? D- take up our cross? What is, what is he talking about? Because that was a, very Roman method of execution for criminals. So he's like, you deny yourself and you have to take up a very public humiliating means of death. Like the reason why the Romans did crucifixion the way they did is because it wasn't necessarily always a measure of death. It was a measure of humiliation. It was public humiliation in a culture of shame and honor. It was the most shameful way to be punished. Mm. And, and so they're like, so public humiliating denial of self and following him. That's all mixed in what it means to be a follower of Jesus, one of his disciples. So in this, in this next part, I heard a guy uh, say the other day, he was a atheist, I believe. And he said, what does it even mean? What are people even talking about when they say you could sell your soul? In this case, in this translation, it's life. He said, what does that even mean? Do I go to someone and I exchange a currency and I'm going to sell my soul? And I was just thinking, you have to think, you have to think about it. It's on the surface level. Like these are complex issues that have 
complex answers. This is God that we're talking about. In a lot of ways, we can have childlike faith and we can read it for like it is and, right. and God bless it. But then in other ways, you have to go, hold on, let me think of, Let me think about this rather than just saying, what do you mean sell my soul? I'm not going go to go to some stand and, and get a certain amount of money right. and then give them my life. What, what do you think you would say to someone who goes, what are they talking about in terms of sell, sell my soul? Uh, I think it's this idea of you're, you knowingly are giving um, authority or ownership of your of yourself to someone else so that they now have rights to it or control over it or authority over what you do. Mm. I think in that phraseology, that's what that means. Here he says, what can a person exchange? Like for gain, person gain the whole world yet forfeit his life. What can a person give in exchange for his life? For this idea of their what they're willing to do to try to secure for themselves a future or a present, right? That's really what's at play here. And it's interesting because people are coming to him and he's delivering them. He's saving them from oppression, whether it's from demonic oppression or physical unhealth, hunger, and he's saving them. And he's like, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. It's like, okay, we all want our lives to be saved. We all want out of whatever trouble we're in. He's like, if you actually want that salvation you so desperately seek, then you have to lose it. Hmm. You have to be willing to give up whatever whatever ways in which you're trying to secure for yourself a future or a present or, you know, security. You have to be willing to hand that over. And I think that goes back to a perpetual conversation you and I've had about holding something either close-handed or open-handed. And he's saying, no, you're going to be willing to give up your pursuit of pleasure, your pursuit of security, of significance, of identity, the ways that you're pursuing to secure for yourself something, to save yourself. You're going to have to give that up if you're going to follow me and just be willing to let go of all of that and just trust that I'll, I'll cover it. Mm. But if you, in an attempt, and I think there's some foreshadowing here, like there is going to be a time when even probably some of the people that are present here will face persecution. And we also know what will eventually happen with Peter when he's associated with Jesus and he denies him three times. And so you go, man, there's some serious severity. If this is Peter's preaching collected for us in Mark and he includes this section and then later includes his own self, his own denial three times that he's like, God, well, what was Peter trying to do? He's trying to save his life. Mm. He just watched Jesus get arrested. And now he's been associated with that Jesus. And so he denies Jesus. He's like, I don't know him. No, I'm not from, I'm not with his crew. Why? Because Peter was trying to preserve himself in the moment. And so there's this kind of knee-jerk reaction that we'll want to preserve ourselves if something threatens us. And he's saying, this life following me, you're going to be constantly under threat. And you've got to be okay with that. And you've got to let go of that reaction to try to preserve yourself and save your own life on account of me or the gospel and just trust that the Father's got you and you're good. 
which is contrary to kind of human nature, right? Self-preservation. Yeah, so when I think about kind of the last part of how we how we read these is now what do we do with this mm-hmm. and how does this affect us and what do I what do I do with this tomorrow morning when I wake up? And I just think that what you said is just having that realization that we have these blinders on of of man, my natural inclination as a human being is going to be how do I preserve myself and not how can I think about the things that are eternal and not the things that are temporal mm-hmm. when it's it's such a temptation to do that. And so in what ways in my life am I holding on to things that are are not of God, not not in obedience to what he's calling me to do? And uh and to and to your point, that that line of questioning is a way of taking inventory of how do I and how am I susceptible to try to to preserve myself, what circumstances or situations or areas of my life am I more prone to kind of seek self-preservation when being a Christian, a follower of Christ, or a representative of the gospel puts puts me in jeopardy? Where am I likely to kind of shy away from that identity? Mm-hmm. Where am I likely to maybe even say and minimize my association with Jesus or outright reject him? We've got to ask ourselves those questions before those moments happen. Where is that likely to happen? Where am I more susceptible to that than other ways? Yeah, there's a uh, a pastor was talking about kind of like I said on the last episode where good things become bad when good things become ultimate to us. Mm -hmm. And when we see them elevated to a point above where Christ is. And he's like, and he was talking about just hobbies and how we can how we can end up putting things above Jesus, you know, whether it be TV or whether it be um, boyfriend or a girlfriend or whether it be video games or whether it's fishing. And he's like, and right now, if you're listening to this and you're going, are you kidding me? You're telling me to give up fishing. I'd never do that. Fishing is everything. He go, if that's your reaction to this, then I think that maybe you should really consider that you might be, this might be a blind yeah. spot for you. And, and thinking about what's an area that, that, that I've elevated yeah. f- further past where, where it needs to be. And I think in our culture and probably in your context, image, right? We live in a, a world where you can groom and curate and manufacture an image on social media to where you're seen in a particular way. And you get to you kind of control that environment. And, and so the temptation is if, what if your relationship with Jesus to however many followers you have on social media, what if that association with Jesus cost you all of those followers, all of those likes cost you that platform because people decided they wanted to cancel you because of you sticking with something and in your case the holy spirit convicts you of this is this is the way it is and you're like okay i no problem and then that results in well this could cost you if you stick with this posture on whatever position it is or situation you're likely to lose all your street cred well that's one of those where you're like if you're like so be it mm. or 
well, I wonder if there's a way I could kind of downplay that a little bit, or maybe this one time we'll just kind of go and we'll just put that aside. Or I think there, there's a lot more kind of practical ways in which that sneaks into our world yeah. where we start to slightly compromise, slightly minimize our association with Jesus being one of his true followers. Yeah. That's a temptation for sure. Yeah. All right. So yeah, as you, you walk away, um, what is something from God's word today that you kind of go, okay, this is, this is life to me. This is something I need to, to hang on to. Just, it reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of what we, we had just, uh, talked about in that C.S. Lewis quote of, of asking God to let you see the ultimate treasure that is him, where he mm-hmm. is the treasure. He is, God, help me to know you and see you as my ultimate treasure. And knowing that anything you lose in this world, that's a perceived loss, is, is just not even close on the scale. Mm-hmm. And so when you sit there and you think of how can I, you know, realizing that you're getting caught in that snare of the fear of man, we talk about and how much am I worried about sharing the gospel or being perceived in a certain way of having my Bible or posting a verse or, you know, whatever it is, or sharing my faith. How much of that is just being afraid of someone who's not even going to remember me or, mm-hmm. or they're, they're worried about themselves and um, folks focusing on that supreme treasure of, of Christ and not trying to get caught up in, um, and the perceived loss of this world and just seeing obedience as my obedience today to God's word is, is the prize. It's not a perceived outcome of if I'm obedient, then this will happen. It's just, it's that C.S. Lewis quote of our, our pleasures and our goals are so off Mm -hmm. from this world. They're so, we say, we want to be famous. We want to have this type of girlfriend. We want to have kids that go to this college and we want to make this amount of money and and God's just like you're thinking so small, right? I, I have I have the plans that I have are are so much bigger and better than what than what you're thinking. And so yeah. I'm just calling you to be obedient today. Yeah, that's and that's a that's a perspective issue. Like we we tend to live in a very temporal, immediate kind of focus um, context. And, and what Jesus is drawing us into is a much broader understanding of reality and life and what life means and what's truly valuable and pleasurable. And if there is a sacrifice in this life that, man, seems really, really daunting, he's saying, if, you are do- if I've called you to make that sacrifice— it's totally worth it mm. because in the long run, what it will, what will result because of that will be life. And although drawing away from that sacrifice in your mind is preserving your life, it's not laying down your life for me. That's where, that's where life, that's where you're going to get your life and you're going to find more joy and reward and faithful obedience to the father than in any other capacity. I think that's, that's my takeaway is just that reminder, man, denying self, putting aside, being willing to die. If that's identity death, if that's whatever, if, even if it's physical death, being willing to make that sacrifice because he's called me to it, 
I, I trust that there's greater reward and joy in that than living any other way. And that's what it comes down to. Parker, thanks for coming. Thanks for being on the Take and Read podcast. Thanks for taking and reading with me in a very interesting uh, passage. We got to read from God's word and he's basically saying, hey, to follow me, I want you to suffer and die yeah. like I did. You're like, whoa, that flies in the face of a lot of messages and philosophies today, which are, hey, live your best life now. Hey, you know, you just, it's all about, you know, happiness and joy and pleasure. And make no mistake, following Christ is greater joy than any other life. But to the watching world, it may look like just horrible because it's self-denial. It's a willingness to suffer for the sake of Christ, meaning I'm going to deny my flesh. I'm going to deny my wishes and wants, and I'm going to put others first, especially him. Woo! Yeah, it, it may not... Uh... It may not be a bestseller. It may not fill a church of um, of 5,000 people with that message. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that, it, but people are, it, with that perception, people are scared to talk about it. But I also think that people want the truth. Yeah. And that the truth will always have um, a listening ear. And um, there will always be a market for, for people who want the truth. And that's what that is. Amen. Well, uh, if you've been listening and you've been tracking with us uh, and you have questions or this has provoked some thoughts into you, please email takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. Love to get emails and try to respond to them in a timely fashion. And if you have questions for Parker, you can probably find him on any social media platform as he uh, stands for Jesus. And yeah, you can reach out to him. You can email me, whatever. But super glad to have you here today. Uh, again, I want to give a shout out to 22beans.com. They help uh, finance and, and produce this podcast. And so a good way you can support the podcast, go there, order some coffee. You can also grab a Take and Read podcast hat. Uh, and I'll have you know that I've been in Parker's truck. And outside of a Yee hat, you might catch him wearing a Take and Read podcast hat from time to time. So It's the only other brand I wear. it's true that's awesome Uh, anyway love you brother thanks for being here and to everyone else go take and read the word of God